going to dismiss our Sunday school students and their teachers to their classes. Amen. We're grateful for our Sunday school. Amen. God, praise God. John chapter 11 and verse 38. I felt impressed in prayer to talk to somebody here today. Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, don't lose your faith now, if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead. I love that. He was he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen these things which Jesus did believed on him. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone." And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. Remove the hardness. Remove the hardness. Would you sit down in your Bibles and let's pray. Come on, let's cry out unto our God. Let's pray that God would move in this house. That it would flow through us, through our church, and through this city, Lord. Let the Holy Ghost move in this place. Come on, that's it. Somebody pray right now. Today is a call to destiny. Hallelujah, Lazarus wants to come forth. Good things want to come forth. Blessings want to come forth. But it starts right here. Jesus, we give you glory and praise and honor. Pray, Lord, that you'd anoint us to hear your word in the wonderful name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands unto him one more time. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Man, remove the hardness. This story in John chapter 11 is one of the most famous stories of Jesus. It was moments like this that although Jesus had proven time and time again that he could do the impossible and even the improbable, it was moments like this that really solidified in the minds of his people. Amen. That Jesus was in fact a miracle worker for who else can raise someone from the dead but God only who has the power of life and of death than God only many debated with him on whether or not he could forgive sins 
But no one could debate with him on the fact that he had power. They could argue with him on his theological standpoints and what he taught. But nobody can fight with him when it comes to the miraculous. And let me help you here today. You can get into conversations with people. And they might be able to argue with you. And they might disagree with you. But there's one thing that you can't ever disagree with. And that's somebody that's got an encounter and an experience with God. It's that blind man that says, I don't know who did it. All I know is I once was blind, but now I see. They could argue all they wanted about his theological standpoints and about his dogmas and his doctrines, but they could not argue with the fact that this man was born blind and now he could see. They could not argue with the fact that there was lame people that were not able to walk from their mother's womb and yet they carried their bed. They were carried on a bed and now they were carrying their bed. I want you to know that that's exactly what Jesus can do for you. All it's going to take is one experience and one encounter with Jesus and you'll go from laying down being carried everywhere to saying where can I go? Amen. I'm going to carry this where I... Come on. Hallelujah. He can take you out of that position and put you in a position of power. You're no longer being carried around. You're the one doing the carrying. That's what Jesus can do. But there's moments like this. The Bible records of three, uh, three things that Jesus, three people that Jesus resurrected outside of himself. There was a little girl who was 12 years old and she was sick. And Jairus called for Jesus to come and to heal his daughter. But before Jesus ever got there, the little girl just died. The Bible then tells us of a young man who was being carried in a, ca in a coffin. And he was on his way to his funeral. And Jesus resurrected that young boy. And finally, we come to this moment here where Lazarus had been dead for four days. And now he had begun to stink and decay. And Jesus had the power and the authority, amen, to resurrect the dead. I want you to know that Jesus can resurrect anything, whether it's a situation that has just died, whether you are currently putting together a funeral for that situation, or it's been dead and gone for a long time and you see no hope and there's nothing but despair in your life. I want you to know that Jesus is not limited by time frames. And Jesus, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He can do it. Amen. They came, the Bible says they sent certain people to Jesus. They found him where he was. They had to seek him out. This is in a moment in a time where there were, not, there were not cars, there were not highways. You had to walk, you had to take this scroll and, and let them know that there was something going wrong. And, and you had to take this message to Jesus and it took a long time to get there. But when they got there, they began to tell Jesus about Lazarus's dire condition. I don't know if this was a one-day journey, a two-day journey, a three-day journey. All I know is that somebody got to Jesus and began to tell him what was wrong. And they told him that Lazarus is sick and you better come fast because things don't look too good for Lazarus. Has anybody ever been in a position like that where you looked at a situation and you knew it didn't look good and it was only going to get worse? Amen. And so if it was not for Jesus, you knew it would not get better. So you did everything you could. You came to the house of the Lord. You came to a prayer meeting. You began to worship God because you knew that it was going to be the hand of God that fixed it. 
Amen. That's exactly what they were doing. But it's interesting how they began to talk with Jesus. They told Jesus that it is Lazarus whom you love. These are not people that had only encountered Jesus once or twice. They had a relationship with Jesus. Amen. But I want to help somebody here today because it was this mantra, this idea that they brought before Jesus. They thought that somehow because of their perceived closeness to Jesus that he would heal and that he would come immediately. Amen. That somehow they could sway Jesus. Somehow they could manipulate Jesus. Somehow they could control Jesus to do exactly what they wanted and when they wanted. I want to just remind somebody here tonight that God is sovereign. He is God. We are not. He is God all by himself. And we cannot always decide. And I know it's a hard pill to swallow. I don't like it any more than you do. I'd like to think that I have somehow got more sway with God than other people. But the truth is, amen, that he's God and he is sovereign. And, and, and this is where, if we're not careful, some people will get a bad theology to think that I've got a great relationship, so therefore he must answer. And then there's other people on the other side of the coin that would say, well, I don't really know him, so he'll never answer, so they don't even pray. Amen. I know what it is to see people that had prayed and prayed and prayed and nothing happened. But I've also seen people that didn't look like they had a walk with God and they prayed one time and God answered. I can't help anybody to help you feel better about that. But what I can tell you, amen, is have faith in God anyways. Have faith in God anyways because you never know, amen, if God's going to be the one, if you're going to get the answered prayer or if the other person's going to get the answered prayer or if you're both going to get the answered prayer. It's our responsibility to go to Jesus anyways and say, Lord, I need you to move. I'd like to think that I have the power to control him, but I do not. It would be a great power to have control over the one that has all power. But sometimes God moves in ways we don't understand. And they thought we could use this to somehow get Jesus to move a little quicker. You can't manipulate God. You have to wait on God. I'll say that again. We cannot manipulate God. We must wait on God. Well, when's it going to happen? I don't know, but he does. How's it going to happen? I don't know, but he does. All I know is I've done my part, and I went to Jesus, and I prayed, and now I'm going to do my other part, and that's wait on the Lord and know that he's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. He said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. There's something about that stillness some people can't handle. Some people can't handle staring themselves in the mirror. Some people can't handle the stillness and the quietness and the lack of movement and the lack of motion. And so if we're not careful, we'll be like Abraham. We'll try to contrive things and move things around, amen, to fit our, our idea of things working out and things moving forward, amen. But it's in this moment we've got to learn that God is going to do what God's going to do, and I've just got to wait on him. The Bible says that they told Jesus, he's your friend and Jesus turns to them and says, go back and tell them this sickness is not unto death. Well, we know the rest of the scripture. He died. But we also know the end part. At the end part, he got resurrected. What Jesus was really saying is that, that, that Lazarus is going to die, but it doesn't have to kill him. There's some things you're going to go through that's going to cause a dying process in your life, but it doesn't have to finish you off. Come on. You can be cast down but not destroyed. You can be per perplexed but not forsaken. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can have trouble on every side, and yet you can recognize I'm not in despair. Despair is amen to lose all hope. You can have trouble and not lose hope. You can have a dying process, and it doesn't finish you off. You can have a dying process where God's killing things in your life, and God's going to resurrect other things in your life. It doesn't have to kill you. It doesn't have to finish your faith off. What you've got to do is hold on to that faith and say, I know. I don't know exactly what's happening but I trust him oh somebody lift up your hands and let's pray for just a few moments I came to minister in the Holy Ghost to somebody. You're going through a dying process right now and you want to say this is the end of me. No, it's just going to kill off the things that need to be killed off. It's going to radiate the things that got to be removed and then God's going to resurrect that which needs to remain. Oh somebody pray right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He said, this sickness is not meant to kill you and finish you off. This is for the glory of God. There are things that happen. There are situations. There are things that we face that we have got to remind ourselves that sometimes it might involve me, but it's not about me. Sometimes it involves me, but it's not about me. Sometimes it's just because God is going to bring himself glory through my life. Amen. It was Paul that had a thorn in the flesh, and he prayed for it to be removed. But God said, my grace is sufficient to you. Why? I got an abundance of revelations for you. There's going to be benefits for you, but it's not about you. There's going to be miracles for you, but it's not about you. It's going to bring glory to me that no flesh should glory in his presence sometimes we got to go through moments like this where we don't understand and God allows us to go through this dying process because he's going to get glory out of our lives he told them and he began to speak to them and he told them to go back and let them know this is not unto death they go back with that message I wonder how that message hit Martha and Mary this sickness is not unto death and day one goes by and his fever gets higher and uh, day two goes by. I don't know if it was in this process where, where they're waiting for Jesus to show up. Again, I don't know if it was a three-day journey of walking to get there. All I do is know is what the Bible says. Jesus waited two more days. He sent a word, and that word was going to tell him everything's going to be all right. And yet he waits for two more days. I don't know exactly what happened in that moment. I don't know what sickness he had. I didn't know what situation was going on in Lazarus's life. All I do know is he was sick unto death when they first got to Jesus. And that means that he was already going downhill. And so now maybe his fever's going up on day one. and Maybe he's, he's starting to, something's starting to happen. And, and after two days of waiting, maybe Lazarus is already dead and and maybe it's a four day journey for Jesus to get there and Jesus starts that four day journey two days late. Anybody ever felt like that where God is going to show up but he's already six days late amen he he showed up he waited too long you prayed and said the time frame that I had for you has already expired four days ago. Uh, Amen everything that I thought would happen didn't happen I prayed about it prayed about it prayed about it I waited I waited I waited and then it just expired and now the time frame is gone. I don't know exactly know how long things got worse and worse and worse. It might have been a week. I don't know how long the journey was. All I do know is that Jesus intentionally waited two more days. And by the time he showed up, Lazarus had been dead for four. He was at minimum four days late. At minimum four 
days too late. But I can imagine what's happening in this moment. Jesus is going. He's waited two days. Now he's headed that direction. He's taken that few days journey to get to where Lazarus is. But I want to help somebody here today. The Bible records that Jesus loved Lazarus. That's going to hit somebody in a moment. Jesus loved Lazarus. You know how many people they die on this moment right here? This is the number one question people ask. If God loves me, if God loves me, why? If God loves me, how come? If God loves me, and they, they, they start, and I want to tell you that the, that presupposition is wrong from the very get-go. If God loves me is something you should never say. Amen. God loves you regardless of how you feel about him. I'm going to help somebody about the love of God for just a moment. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. My Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. My Bible tells me that when we were without strength, uh, while we were sinners, uh, while we were not able to get above, uh, he loved us. Uh, he had grace for us. Uh, he had mercy for us. Uh, God loves you at your very worst. Uh, amen. Let alone at your very best. Uh, God loves you at all times. Uh, for my Bible tells me that he his essence, God is love. Somebody needs to get a revelation about the love of God. Well, I don't feel it right now. He loves you. I'm not experiencing it right now. He loves you. It doesn't feel good right now. He loves you. It seems like he's never going to show up. He loves you. It seems like he's late all the time. He loves you. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's pray right now. Somebody needs to have that revelation. Well, Jesus, you waited two more days, and now you're four, at least four days late. How are you going to tell me you love me? Amen. I want you to know all of this is part of the love of God. It may not feel like it at all times. Amen. But he loves you nonetheless. Somebody pray right now. Somebody needs to remove that from their vocabulary. If God loves me, before you ever go through another trial, you need to start it off right and say, God loves me. And as soon as you start off saying, God loves me, anything that comes after that is going to be seen through the fact that you know whatever I'm about to go through, God loves me. I'm going through a trial, but God loves me. I don't know how I'm going to make it out. God loves me. I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. God loves me. I don't exactly know when revival is going to hit at full, but I know God loves us. I don't know when the building's going to show up, but I know God loves us. I know, come on, somebody. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. You can't allow your feelings about God to supersede his feelings for you. Your feelings do not dictate God's feelings. God loves you uh, whether you love him. Uh, God loves you whether you feel loved. Uh, God, God is continually, I want to break, break through something for somebody. Uh, there's people that are always vacillating uh, and they're pulling that old game. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. And they're just, they're rolling the dice uh, and how they feel that day on whether God loves them. I want you to settle it in your heart right now and today. He loves me. Four days late, buddy loves me. Everything's dying, buddy loves me. I'm getting sicker, buddy loves me. There's something about the love of God I can't explain. All I know is it's a fact. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on. 
Don't harden your heart because you don't feel it right now. Because you don't feel the love of God. Amen. The way that you think the love of God should be. Don't bury it yet. Don't roll a stone over that grave yet. Don't harden things up and say, he must not love me. If he'd have loved me, he'd have showed up in my time frame. No. God loves you. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. He loves you. Everything else after that, you can go through anything knowing God loves you. You can go through. Have I got anybody that's, that can testify? You've been through the hardest things of life, but you just had that revelation. God loves me. You can make it through anything if you know, you know God loves you. You think about it in the natural. In the natural, you can put me through just about any torture and any pain. As long as I know that woman right there loves me, I'm going to be all right. Amen. That's in the natural. How much more in the spiritual that I know that there's a heavenly father. Amen. That, that regardless, everybody in the whole world can turn, turn around and turn against me. But I know that God loves me. Amen. And, and I can make it through anything. I can go through any fire. I can go through any flood. Because I know that God loves me. Amen. He waits two days because he loves us. And it changes the game when you understand that God is doing things because he loves us. Well, I don't, I don't see how his ways are above our ways. I don't understand it either. There's times where I'd like to, you know, there's some people, they think they're going to get to heaven. They're going to shake God down. When they get there, they're going to just shake him down and say, you know, remember that time you were late? I want to know why. I know I, th- I thought about that a few times, but, but that's not how it's going to be. When you get to heaven, when I get to heaven, it's all going to make sense. Because every bit of that was, was working everything out. Why? For his glory. And... We don't yet know what we shall be. All we do know is that we shall be like he is. I don't exactly know. I don't know how. All I know is one day I'm going to be like him. And, 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 and Paul would put it this way, that I might know him. In the power of resurrection and then the fellowship of his sufferings. And, and sometimes we think, I'll be like Jesus as long as there's resurrection. And I'll be like Jesus as long as there's power. And I'll be like Jesus as long as there's blessings and good days. Amen. But sometimes it's those hard times. Sometimes it's those broke times. Sometimes it's the sick times. The dark times. The cold times. You fill in the blank. Sometimes it's those moments. That, that just makes you look a little more like Jesus that are conforming you and I to the image of his dear son that we could not have got that had it not been for him waiting an extra two days we'd have never got there had he not been four days late oh somebody give him praise come on we praise him for good times but can you praise him for the fact that he's late Come on, Mary and Martha, you served him and you worshiped him. Can you praise him now that he's four days late? Can you give him worship knowing he didn't show up in your time frame? Can you give him praise anyhow? And here, in the process of of what I'd call divine waiting, it's not humans waiting. We don't wait. We get impatient. And I have no doubt... Let's just take the four days. Jesus is four days late. He's probably really a couple days later than that because there's a journey. But let's say he's four days late. Day one, Lazarus dies. 
he dies somewhere in, in day five, but he, he's getting, they're getting prepped for the funeral on day number, day number one. And in this moment, they're starting to do the, they're starting to figure out, well, let's just sit for just another moment. Maybe Jesus is right down the road and, and they, they prepare food and they get ready for the master to show up and they're, they're waiting on their porch. Okay, uh, we can wait a little bit, but, uh, but we can't wait too long because if, he, if we wait any longer, uh, he's going to start getting a little, uh, he's going to start decaying and decomposing. And that's the gross part about the Bible. But this is what's going through their brain. He's been dead for already 12 hours and then another 12 hours go by and it's now been a day and, and oh my goodness what are we going to do and, and now it's day two and, and so they said alright well let's start the preparation process uh, amen go 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 to the funeral home and, and find us a coffin and, and, and we'll do all that and so now day two is going by and, and the family's already come over to mourn and they've come into that room and they probably got paid mourners there as well to weep like they did for Jarius' daughter and, and they've got people that are making a big deal out about the death of Lazarus and, 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 and there's some people like that that any Thing dies in their life and they want everybody to make a big fuss about it. Amen. Instead of waiting on Jesus, but we've got to wait on Jesus. And so maybe they're being a little faithful and day three comes by and they're, they're, they're thinking, all right, well, today's the day of the wake and the funeral. And they start having that funeral and, and they start saying all the good words about Lazarus. And, and, and then, then they think, well, okay, tomorrow's the day. Whether Jesus shows up or not, tomorrow's the day. And day four shows up and they said, all right, here's what we're going to do. Let's get him into that tomb. And, and they wait for 12 hours and now it's high noon and they're thinking okay he's not coming here's what we're going to do we're going to take some stones and we're going to cover the front of it and you know what whether Jesus shows up or not he's not welcome in there because had he been here this had never happened Come on, I'm going to preach real good to somebody. Amen. They think, well, he didn't show up in our time frame. We waited. We even waited three and a half days, three and, three and three quarters of a day. We waited till the last minute on the fourth day, and Jesus did not show up. He's late. Cover it with a stone. And Jesus shows up on the fourth day. First thing out of their mouth, if you'd only been here, this had never happened. And Jesus, in his divine wisdom, says, yes, I know. If I'd have been here, this would never happen. But you'd have never got what you're about to get. You would not see what you're about to see if I'd have been here. And sometimes we get, we get nervous when he lets go of our hand. And we think somehow because he let go of our hand that somehow we're out of the hand of God. But no man can pluck us out of his hand. He might have let go, but that doesn't mean he left. You might feel you might feel downtrodden and downcast, but the Bible says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He lets go of our hand. We don't know what to do. So we start burying things we should have never buried. We start giving up on things we shouldn't have given up on. We stop praying about things we should have kept praying about. We start, th we start having funerals for things that we never should have had funerals for. And we start saying, well, it's over and it's done with. I quit. I give up. And when Jesus finally shows up and we come to church, we come to church with our arms folded with a bad attitude. If you'd only been here, Jesus, if you'd have just showed up, then maybe things would have been a little different. And not understanding that he's got greater glory. And Mary says the same thing, Lord, if you'd only been here, it'd have been all right. If you'd have just showed up, everything would have been all right. And Jesus just ignores all of that and says, lead me where you laid him. No, 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 no. You don't understand this, Jesus. We would have let you come to his sickbed. We would have let you come to his deathbed like the little girl that was on her deathbed. 
we would have let you come to his funeral like the little boy we seen you resurrect. He's already buried, and we already hardened it up. And I already, you know, there's some people, this is how it is. Everybody's got a place in their life that they compartmentalize. I'm coming to help somebody today. I came to preach a word to somebody. They compartmentalize. It's a cave. It's dark. It's cold. It's all, it's just in a corner. It's, it's out in the middle of nowhere where no one else can see it unless you lead them to it. There's no signage like there is today. The funeral. No, there's, there's no cemetery. No, these are places that even Abraham had to purchase it. Amen. From some people and say, that's the cave I'm going to be buried in. These are places that the, Jesus had to say, lead me where he is. Amen. It is going to be your responsibility to take Jesus where your hurt is. It is going to be our responsibility to take Jesus where our pain is. It is going to be our responsibility to take him and say, Lord, if you'd only been here. But there's some people say, I don't want Jesus going there. You can go to my house. You can, you, can, you can meet me out here in the field. You can go to the funeral. But the moment I bury it, the moment I compartmentalize it, the moment I put a stone over it, the moment I start to medicate my way through it and I put a stone over it and I harden my heart towards it, amen, thinking that it won't affect me, you're not welcome there. Let me help somebody just for a moment. You can harden it up and think, if I harden it up, it'll go away. That's not what happens. The Bible even records, he stinketh. It decays. It gets worse. Some people think, well, I'll just harden up and it'll just go away. That's where roots of bitterness get. You put them in the corner and say, it won't affect any other area of my life. But I promise you this, nobody was washing the feet of Jesus that day. Nobody was making him food that day. And some people think, well, I just put that in the corner. It doesn't affect anything else. It starts affecting the way you worship. It starts affecting the way you pray. It's... Come on, we're going to deal with some things today. It affects the way you give. It affects the way you live. It affects the way you think. And now everything's through. Amen. You thought it was just off in the corner of your heart, off in the corner of your life. Just, oh, I hardened it up. I medicated it. I got over it. No, you didn't. You didn't go over it. Amen. You sealed it up. Amen. And bottling things up doesn't fix anything. And sealing things away doesn't change nothing. What you got to do is you got to lead Jesus to it. And you got to remove all the hard things in your life. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, where have you laid it? Where have you laid it? Where have you stored it? Where have you put it? Amen. What, what, what have you buried? Thinking it'll just go away. It's not going to go away. It's going to fester. It's going to get worse. And Jesus sent a preacher to preach to you. You got to lead him where it is and open it up. We'll let something die. We'll bury it. We'll put hard things over it. We'll cope with it. Medicate, whatever you want to do. Some people medicate through working hard. Some people medicate through drugs. Some people medicate through relationships. Some people medicate through video games. Some people medicate through the internet or social media. And they think that somehow if I get involved in all these other things, I can forget about this right here. Jesus says, lead me where you laid him. Finally, they said, what do you care, Jesus? You're late anyways. Sure. And they lead him all the way to this place. And they said, look, here it is. You happy now? If you'd only been here, this wouldn't have happened. Somehow it's God's fault that I, I buried it and I hardened it away. And somehow it's God. I don't know why it's always God's fault when everything's go wrong. Time and chance happen to us all. 
Life and death happens to us all. There's, one, there's only two things that they promise us, death and taxes. It's going to happen, and yet it's God's fault. Or could it be this is for the glory of God? And we just don't know it yet. And we buried it. And we hardened it up and said, don't, don't worry about it, Jesus. Just forget about it. But he gets there, and this is what the Bible says. He said to them, he said, okay, take ye away the stone. What is Jesus really saying? I'll perform a miracle, but I won't do everything. You're going to have to lead Jesus to that place where Jesus should just get there. He should just figure it out. Jesus just guess what I need. He already knows what you need, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't ask for it. In fact, that's exactly what he told us to do. Lead me where it is. And then we get there, and we're like, okay, Jesus, break down my walls. You know, there's songs about that. I don't I don't much care for them. They're not theologically correct. Break down my walls. Break my will. He's not going to do that. You got the wrong Jesus. He's going to stand there at the tomb, and he ain't moving nothing. <laughs> I'm going to help somebody here today. I hope I'm really connecting with somebody. He's not going to remove the hardness. You are. He'll take care of Lazarus. He'll perform the miracle. He'll bring things forth that you never thought possible. He'll do the impossible, but you got to do the possible. You got to remove the hardness. You got to open the door and say, Jesus, I'll let you into this dark place. Jesus, I'll let you into this cave. Jesus, I'll let you into the cold place. Jesus, I'll let you into the hurt. Jesus, I'll let you into the pain. Jesus, I'll let you in. Jesus, break down my walls. Break down my will. No, he won't do that. He'll move on you, and he'll give you an opportunity to do it yourself. Because he wants you to have a choice in the matter. If you want to be bitter, he'll let you be bitter. If you want to be offended, he'll let you be offended. If you want to be full of pain and hurt and never get over it, he'll let you do that. But he showed up and said, take away the stone and see what I'll do. Remove the hardness and watch what will happen. See, there's a reason that God wouldn't, wouldn't perform the miracle right then and there. If Jesus would have said Lazarus come forth, Lazarus would have died in that tomb. He could say, okay, bitterness, uh, you know, you're going to get up from there and you're, and then it would have died again. You got bitter all over again. Lazarus wouldn't have had nothing to eat. He'd have stayed there. That'd have been his home. But he said, before I ever perform a miracle, you got to remove the hardness. You got to, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about. When he says the sower goes forth to sow and that sower, he throws some and some lands on stony ground. As much as that seed's got power and it breaks forth and it puts roots down, the Bible says there was no depthness of earth because the seed could only go so far. Amen. Until somebody cultivated and removed the hard things and removed the stones. And the moment they removed the hard things and the stones, that root could go down. And guess what? Some good things could come forth. The only way good things are going to come forth out of your family is when you remove the hard things. The only way the good things are going to come forth from your life is when you remove the hard things and that word can get root and that word can go down. Somebody lift up your hands. Let's stand across the building. Come on, let's pray right now. He's come to this house. He's saying, leave me where it is. 
But now, now that I'm there, now that I see it, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking directly at the problem. I could make a difference in your life right now that would so change your trajectory. It would change your, it would change your life. It would change your outcome. But you've got to remove the hard things. But Jesus, I don't want to open that tomb. It's going to stink. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to open. It's going to bring up too many bad memories. You know, one of the hardest things for some people during this season is they've had too much time to think. People don't like to think sometimes because then they start actually having to go back and face those moments. But there's nothing like that moment where you have nothing else but you and Jesus and you're looking right there at that hard thing. That hard place, that, that, that troublesome time of your life. There's nothing like going to the altar and it's just you and Jesus and he's saying remove that. Amen, get that out of the way. Watch what I'll do. They had a decision to make. I could leave it right there and even if he resurrects it, Lazarus is going to die again. And they lived the rest of their life wondering what would have happened. If I, he said, did I not tell you if you had faith, if you believed, you would see things that you never thought possible? What is he really saying, Brother Jonathan? He's saying, don't lose faith now. Well, you didn't show up on time. It's all right. I'm here now. Jesus, you should have showed up 20 years ago. Well, I'm here now. Well, Jesus, you should have just done it. Well, should have, could have, would have. I'm here now. What are you going to do with it? They had a decision. Do we go and remove the hardness? And here's the beautiful thing about the story. It wasn't just Mary and Martha that removed it. Everybody there that was watching got around to help. Some people think they don't need the church. Wrong. This miracle would never be complete without other people. It was the people that said, all right, amen, Mary and Martha, you lost something, and we're going to help you find it. And they started helping to move that hard thing out of the place. There's nothing like coming to the altar and somebody laying hands on you and praying for you. And all of a sudden, the things you thought would never get out of your life got out of your life. The things you thought would never move and could never move. And people are complaining, saying, I can't do it by myself. Great, you got a revelation. You were never intended to do it by yourself. Mary and Martha and the whole town of Bethany was there the church moving it out of the way and when they removed the hardness the Bible says this Jesus with a loud voice said Lazarus come forth one preacher said if he said come forth all the dead people would have got up he said Lazarus but you know that's the same thing that Jesus that God said back in Genesis he said let the earth bring forth let the sea bring forth. Let the darkness bring forth. Everything he spoke to, bring forth, come forth. Guess what happened? There was darkness. He said, let there be light, come forth, and light appeared. He said, let there be herb yielding seed. He brought the ground out of the, out of the water. The ground showed up, and they said, let the earth bring forth. Amen, herb yielding seed, and boom, immediately it happened. Let it bring forth cattle. Let it bring forth fowl. Let it bring forth fish, and immediately it came forth. And all of a sudden, the moment, amen, some people want to know, when's the miracle going to happen in my life? When you and some other people get around and start praying about it, help me to pray on this bitterness. Help me to pray on this problem. Help me to pray on this situation. And you begin to pray about it. And you remove the hardness. And at that moment, Jesus said, this is exactly what I was waiting for. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out. 
They didn't just bury him. They tied him down. Some people make it so hard to be blessed. They make it so hard to get miracles. They make, it, they make the impossible impossible. God will do it anyways if you help. If you just move things out of the way and, and give them permission. Lazarus comes hopping forth. <laughs> Poor guy. Wasn't bad enough to be dead. Now he's bound up. And then he says this to the people. Loose him. Jesus wasn't going to do that either. Loose him. Can you imagine what's going to happen when you remove the hardness? Jesus is going to speak to things that you thought never were possible. Well, I, I just don't know if I'm ever going to be blessed. And this is what he says. Blessing come forth. Because you remove the hardness. And it might take a minute, but it's going to hop out. And it's going to be your job to unwrap that gift. Ministry come forth. And he starts unwrapping, and you start unwrapping that. He says, come on, deliverance, come forth. And it starts coming forth. And things you never thought would ever happen. Why? Because you started at the very beginning. And you said, I've got a hard heart, but I'm going to remove it, God. And I'm going to let you put a heart of flesh. i got stones there where nothing can grow. But I'm going to cultivate. I'm going to remove. i got a tomb that's full of things, even hurts and pains. I need you to clean it out. And guess what? There's good things coming forth when you remove the heart. Somebody lift up your hands. I'm done preaching. Come on. He's going to start calling to things in your life. Uh, the moment you make it up in your mind, okay, uh, Lord, uh, I know I, I, I didn't really like what happened. I didn't like waiting. Uh, I didn't feel loved. Uh, I, I just felt bitter. I just uh, had got offended, God. Uh, but today, I'm going to remove those things. Uh, God, I'm going to remove the hardness uh, and say, God, I've calcified. But today, I'm going to let you soften it. Today, I'm going to let you help me. Somebody pray right now. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. You know exactly where that tomb is. You know exactly what's in it. And you know exactly what you've used to harden it up. What you've used to block it in. What you've used to try to cope with it and forget about it. But today, Jesus is calling to you. Open it up and see what I'll bring forth. Open it up. Amen. He says, I stand at the door and I knock. He's not going to kick down the door, but he will knock at it. He's not going to kick open the door, but he's going to knock and he's going to say, if you will open up, I'll sup with you. We'll have, we'll have miracles you never thought possible. There will be blessings you never thought possible. And he knocks and he knocks and he knocks and it's our job to say, okay, God, I'm done being locked up. I'm done being hardened. I said no to this part of my heart, but today you can have it all. I want to open up this altar. Would you come? Would you come? Lead Jesus to the hardest places of your life. Lead Jesus to the most difficult things that you've not been able to overcome. And watch what happens when you remove that stone and say, God, you're welcome. You can have access. When you open that door, when you remove the locks, when you open it up and say, Jesus, come in. Would you come and pray tonight? Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Come on, when you remove the hardness, 
Amen. He can start bringing forth things that you never thought possible. You knew him as a healer, but now you can know him as a resurrection in the life. You knew him as this, but now you can know him as a blessing God. You knew him as this, but now you can know him as, as a favoring God. You knew him as this, but now he can bring forth ministry and help. Amen. When it comes forth, because you remove the hardness. Come on, somebody pray in the name of Jesus. your heart. 